Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we have Parker Stevenson of Evolve Finance and Amy Northard of Amy Northard CPA. And we are talking about scaling your service-based business. Parker is our resident bookkeeper slash financial guru guy person friend work husband amy is our tax accountant and all the other things that we (laughs) don't understand about business we call her but that's not actually what we're talking about today what no, we we're not going to bore you with more bookkeeping and taxes and information like that. <laughs> we are bringing them on for our first ever roundtable discussion here on the podcast. They both spoke at our recent summit talking about scaling service-based businesses in unique ways by growing a team, by productizing their service. And so we kind of wanted to pick their brains about how they did that and what they suggest for other service-based business owners who maybe don't want to do courses and don't really want want to leave their clients, but aren't really sure realistically, how do they scale a service-based business where you might be so hands-on with your client that you really can't imagine stepping away from that, growing, hiring employees, and what does all of that look like? So I think this episode is really fun. Amy breaks down how she serves over 500 clients a year and Parker serving around 90 each and every month. Both of those numbers blow my mind. So if you want to get these tips and tactics, then keep listening, write down some notes. And if you have any questions, we're always continuing the conversation over on Instagram at Boss Project. Hey, Parker, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me as always. Hey, Amy. Hi, thanks for having me. There's so many voices in your ears, guys. That's Emily, (laughs) in case you didn't know. And I'm Abigail. And we are going to dive into 
a pretty new style of the podcast that we haven't necessarily had on in the past. It's going to be roundtable style, and we're going to be diving into how to grow a service-based business into an agency model while still being the face of your company. And I think that's an exciting and interesting place to be. And both of these people are very important people in our lives. Parker is technically our bookkeeper, but he doesn't actually do our books. Evolve Finance is your bookkeeper. And I like to think of myself as your business advisor or confidant. Okay. I like it. We used to call him our CFO and then I I think we demoted him at some point. Well, because I'm not a CFO. You guys can do way better than that. He's not (laughs) in it as much as he used to be, but he's still a huge supporter and great friend. And then Amy is our CPA. She handles all our business taxes, which you guys are probably like... Finance people, but these people, (laughs) I swear to you, are so much fun and they also know how to do this. Like they've built really solid businesses and I'm so excited for you to dive in. So Parker, if you could really quickly kind of introduce yourself and how you came into Evolve Finance because you didn't necessarily start the business, which I think is interesting. Yeah, no. So Evolve Finance is just a bookkeeping agency, bookkeeping firm specifically for online businesses. Um, My business partner, Corey Whitaker, and his wife, Anna Whitaker, started the business like officially in 2010, but they were doing work even before then. That's just kind of like when they incorporated. And so my wife is best friends with Anna and grew up with Anna and Corey. And so I knew about their business. And when I was in corporate world, I learned a lot when I was in the corporate world. And overall, I had my quote unquote dream job. But what I kept realizing was like, I meant to be in a smaller organization. I meant to help something else grow. Like I didn't want to be a small wheel in a big cog. I'd rather be a big cog in a much smaller machine. And so with Corey, I just felt like there was such an opportunity. I did not like bookkeeping. I had no interest in bookkeeping, but I felt like what they were building and their niche was such a great opportunity for me to come in and take all of my knowledge and and experience from a different business world and join him to help take of all finance to maybe a place that he never thought um, maybe we would get to one day. And that's over the last five years, uh, we've been fortunate enough to get ourselves in a really good position. Yeah. And Amy, tell us a little bit about your background. I feel like we kind of jumped into business at a similar time. And so we've watched each other's business grow along the way. But I'd love for you to introduce yourself and a little bit about how you got started and opened your own company. Yeah, I I remember you guys' first joint webinar. So we go way back in the day. (laughs) But yeah, so I started my business about seven years ago and... It was really born out of the fact that I was working at a CPA firm and just like, I couldn't see myself staying there forever. I was miserable. I didn't enjoy the clients I was working with. I didn't necessarily enjoy my coworkers all that much. And I wanted something different. And I thought the key was getting out of something that had tax season. So getting away from taxes and doing something with a little bit more regular schedule. So while I was doing a little bit of that soul searching, I realized that I could still do taxes because I really loved them. But instead of working with people that I didn't enjoy, I could work with people that inspired me. And so that's kind of where I got into the creative world. And then, um, 
We branched off a few years ago once we started adding some contractors to the team and then the past year employees to adding bookkeeping as a big part of our business because uh, we were just seeing so many people come to us with with either like bookkeeping that was done by a bookkeeper that wasn't done correctly or you know they were trying to do it themselves and they waited to the last minute at tax time and they just weren't getting all the deductions so we've kind of added that in and um, it's just been a lot of fun to um, work on the education part as well as you know providing the done for you services for our clients mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really exciting watching both of you grow because, you know, we've been hanging around Parker and Evolve Finance for a while now, too. And I feel like so many people in our audience think that, like, the next best solution for them to achieve growth is to ditch clients and sell courses. And I know that both of you have kind of dipped your toe into this world. I think Parker has one very different version about that um, in Evolve Finance's journey. So I would love to hear that from you. But, Amy, you continue to have your education brands inside of your business, right? Yeah, that was one of the things I told my husband was my goal for the business ultimately was I really wanted to step away from the day-to-day, you know, doing bookkeeping for people, doing the taxes. I still am involved in it quite a bit, but that next level for me was educating people, you know, just through my blog as a free resource, but then we created the course as a place to send people who couldn't necessarily afford to hire us to do their own bookkeeping or to pay for a consulting call. So it's a low cost way for people to learn that basic information and have access to us through like a private Facebook group for questions. Yeah. Super helpful. Parker, tell us a little bit about your journey on that. Yeah. I think we fell prey to the very unique perspective we have, which is we're working with a lot of course creators. That's your clientele. Educators. I mean, it's it's our one of our, you know, I'd say the majority of our clients have some sort of a digital product they sell. It's changing, which we can talk more about here in a little bit. Um, but we felt we we're just seeing all these people crushing the course stuff. Like I'd say, especially three years ago when I'd, I kind of felt like that was the height of courses. And so we're like, hey, we know like Amy, like just like Amy said, we felt like there were some people that maybe they're not ready to work with us. We weren't even sure we wanted to continue to grow our client-based business. And so we're like, okay, we have a really great connection and network of clients. Let's take advantage of some affiliate relationships, uh, test this sucker out and see how we can do. And so I've spent all this time developing the course content. And ultimately what we came to realize was it's a shitload of work. And it was like running a second business. Oh, really? It's like running a second business. I wonder who said that before. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny. If I were in the position of, and I've told other agency owners, I'm like, you have an opportunity course creators don't have. And there's pluses and minuses to both. But I would never let one of my clients go, yeah, run two businesses at the same time. But we thought, you know, Corey, I'm fortunate enough to have a business partner. We thought we could kind of manage that. But what we also realized were people were just like, I don't want to learn this. Like, just do it for me. And so we're like, okay, that actually makes a lot more sense. And so that was kind of what we needed to experience to kind of come full circle and go, 
all right, we are fully committed to building a team. Mm -hmm. We're fully committed to actually being leaders in our business, which is a scary thing for a lot of entrepreneurs to really have to be responsible for employees Mm -hmm. um, and to build something that feels like a company and isn't just making money online, which sometimes course creation, our clients, I don't think look at it that way. But I think a lot of people think of courses as just making money online Mm -hmm. instead of actually running a business. So ever since we had that experience, and realized that the course deal just wasn't going to be a good fit for the growth we wanted. I'm not saying the course was because it wasn't a failure. We sold courses and it worked, but we kind of realized our biggest opportunity is what we had already built. And that's what we doubled down on. So Amy, tell me a little bit about deciding to bring on other people to do similar work inside of your business. When did you know it was time to make that decision? And how did you go about looking for someone that you trusted? We definitely ramped up to it. Uh, We started with contractors and it was kind of a thing where like I was looking ahead. So I knew like we wanted to start trying to have a child in the next few years. So I wanted to make sure that the whole business wasn't on my shoulder. So we started to hire contractors. We had a couple of contractors work on the bookkeeping. And then we had one really great contractor work with us during tax season for a couple of years. And then, um, that really great contractor bought a house during two tax seasons ago. She bought a house. She was not available because she was a contractor. We couldn't say, you have to get this work done. It fell back on me to catch up for her slack that we were counting on for her to get done. So that was kind of like my light bulb moment. Like, okay, it's time. We need to figure out how we're going to add some employees to the team because you know, if anything happens and I need to step away from the business for any reason, then we have these people helping out and it's just less on my shoulders. So luckily we did that last year. We hired a senior CPA for the team and then a junior CPA for the team. They both work in the bookkeeping and review and taxes and review. And it was honestly like the perfect timing because in January of this year, right at the beginning of tax season, I went into the hospital. They didn't know, like, I couldn't walk for whatever reason. Like, I thought I pulled something in my hip. They did a CT scan. They thought I had appendicitis. Long story short, I ended up having Crohn's disease, and they had to do surgery on my small intestines on April 15th of all days. (laughs) So (sighs) all of that, like I was during tax season, the busiest time of the year, I had doctor's appointments upon doctor's appointments. Like it seemed like every day. And it was crazy to think back, like if this had happened the year before when we had that contractor kind of flaking out on us, who knows, like the business could have collapsed completely because it was all on my and my husband's shoulders. And he's not a CPA. He's not like our tech guy. He does helps me with emails and stuff. So it was really crazy. The timing worked out, you know, better than could be expected to have those people join us. Um, But we just did tons of interviews. We did um, several video chats so that we could make sure we really clicked with them, um, kind of tested their knowledge to make sure that they actually, even if we like their personality, they still had the knowledge to back it up. And we decided on one employee last August, we got her up to speed on things. And then we moved forward to the next employee towards the end of the year. And we're going to go through that cycle again soon to add on a bookkeeper because, you know, as we add on more clients, we're taking them on ourselves and then we'll get that bookkeeper to come in 
right before tax season starts. So we're not all overwhelmed. Right. That's exciting. How many clients do you work with currently? Um, we're up to about 500, but the mo- most of them are tax clients. So mm-hmm. because of that, we basically stopped taking tax only clients. You know, it's just such a short span of time. And, you know, we put people on a wait list and we did add some people from that wait list, but we just really had to cut back quite a bit on that because that would have exploded and we just didn't feel right about hiring a ton of part-time people. And then right. after tax season being like, see ya, we don't have the work okay, for you. Seasonal work. Right, right. right. That is the fundamental issue with an accounting firm yes. that it sounds like Amy is getting creative around how to adjust her business model so that she can serve her clients as best right. as she can without just like letting the service drop while she just takes on more business than maybe you know her and her team right. can handle. So Parker, in contrast, I, I feel like you have a lot more people involved in your business. How did that start? Like, How did you start adding people on? I know you and Corey were doing more than you should for a long time. And then you started systematizing Mm -hmm. and adding more people and losing people and adding more people. And so Mm -hmm. how did that work for you guys? I think the biggest thing was what we were just talking about is the first step was making the decision to actually build this out to serve more people instead of just putting ourselves in a position where it's like, we'll take care of our clients and we'll just have our clients for a while. And like, it's just easy and it's what we know. And I think we always knew we wanted to keep going, but you kind of go, well, we'll just control the growth. And we were in a very fortunate situation where it's like, well, no, people keep reaching out because our service is good, not to toot our own horn, but you get referrals. Mm -hmm. And and we kind of said, okay, we have to figure out the labor side of this. And so the big thing for us was realizing that if all the information in this business was in Corey and my heads, then it was going to make bringing new people on tedious and cumbersome. And it was going to put us in a position that as we brought on more people, the service was going to suffer. And that was always has always been our biggest thing is as we scale and grow, how do we make the experience even better for our clients to where they go, working with Corey and Parker, whatever, like I'm getting all this other stuff now, I'm getting more support and better support than I ever had. So we got to the point where we're like, okay, let's first off, put together all our standard operating procedures and let's just like hone the offer, make the offer even more focused. And then that was something that Corey did a good job of early on is just focusing on online businesses for the most part. But we doubled down on just like, we're not going to take anyone outside of our niche. So that way we can build structure around how we operate. So our team can have repetitive processes for the most part. Each client has their own little things, but the basic core of what we do for our clients can stay the same and stay standardized. And we put that into a massive document over the last year and a half that we now have probably a 60 page operating document that our team (laughs) utilizes on a daily basis. And that's been everything. And that's the one thing I just can't recommend enough to anyone trying to build out a a service-based business Mm -hmm. is you have to be able to build a business where it's like a checklist of things to do. Like that's how a service-based business should work. Well, it's productizing your service and that's what you did. Exactly. And any great service um, should be able to do that, whether you have an extermination company or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, or or whatever it is, or an you, air conditioning you're installer. A like, examples. 
Yeah, we have so many exterminators listening to the podcast. But I've been thinking about all the businesses we've been working with since we've been homeowners the last couple of years. And I think about their businesses and I go, all right, how are you guys being Mm -hmm. trained and how are they like scaling up their businesses to be able to get more people out in the field and serve Mm -hmm. more customers? Yeah. But now that we have that document, it's made training and onboarding people so much easier. So now for us, it's uh, the balance of hiring people before we need them at the right point where we have the margin to do so from a cash standpoint, but we could wait longer, but we want to get someone trained before we need them. So for instance, we just hired our ninth employee uh, a week and a half ago, and we did it early because we know we're going to get a bunch more business and we do not want to pass up on business. We do not want waiting lists. We want to be ready. If we're not ready for the business, that's on us. And that's a a huge miss because that's an opportunity for our team to be able to grow. It's an opportunity for them to be able to make more money. It's an opportunity for these customers to actually get their shit together because we do feel so confident about our Mm -hmm. processes and about our bookkeeping service that, um, we're going to change the way they run Mm -hmm. their business. It's going to change their business forever. And so, for us, it's just like, there's no reason to have those missed opportunities. The only reason we would have that is because Corey and I weren't willing to do the work to establish a clear offer, clear processes for delivering that offer. And we're still working on it. We're still evolving it for sure, yeah. a better word. It's still kind of being adjusted as we go along, but we feel like we have such a stronger foundation for what it is we do versus it's night and day versus five years ago when Corey and I were just doing everything. I think the and this is from an outside perspective, but someone who has been client. And I have worked with a ton of different businesses and no offense, but like the finance industry is a little dry, right? Oh yeah. For but sure. We were just on another podcast earlier and talking about this experience we had with a lawyer, which I feel like is a very, like you guys are on the same level of dry typically, right? But mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue the, with that. <laughs> the thing that's different that I've really enjoyed about working with both of you is that there's this level of access that makes you feel more like a friend or more like family than I've seen with other like hyper professional services that you're getting. Also, like not making us feel stupid on the other end of it, too. And I think you both have things that you've done in your business that are maybe going against the grain of what the industry is doing, but it's allowing you to relate more to the people that you're reaching because you both have a similar but different audience. Like Amy is definitely more focused on the creative side. And so you're going to have a lot more artists and makers, but also educators and they're mixed in there. But Parker's like almost exclusively online education. So tell me about when you were looking at how to structure your service, whether you're looking at a once a year or I mean, I know Parker's pretty much a retainer. Amy, specifically tell me what are the kinds of things you were considering that makes your offer a little bit different, a little more relatable, makes you feel like you have more connection with your clients? Um, I mean, I think it just starts out with the fact that I do essentially what you would call like a discovery call with all of our potential new clients. And so they're not talking with some random salesperson from our team. Like if I'm doing that initial call and then, um, you know, I'll get them onboarded along with my husband who does 
a lot of the onboarding process. So I think that first, you know, touch point, and then for all of our tax clients, you know, there, we do have several other people doing actual tax preparation and reviewing, but then it's still, I'm still emailing them the tax return information, like the fact that it's done and here's how much you owe. And they can ask me questions, whether that's sustainable or not. Um, probably not if we grow too much more in the tax area. That's why we're trying to get people more familiar with our other CPAs on our team, just so that they know they can reach out to them too with questions. And it's not like some random person that's contacting them. <laughs> so that's kind of how we, we still stay involved. And it's not like, oh, hi, um, welcome to the company. And I'm going to pass you off now. And then the other thing is, we started doing this virtual CFO service so that we could be involved a little bit more in beyond just the bookkeeping and tying that in with the taxes because we wanted to be more involved. You know, most people, when you think of your CPA, it's somebody you talk to at tax time once a year, or that's how a lot of CPAs prefer to operate because they want to, you know, take vacation the rest of the year or whatever. So you know, we are helping our clients to be a little bit more proactive. So even if they're working with another bookkeeper and we're helping with quarterly taxes, like we do with you guys, we're still able to see your numbers on a quarterly basis. And, you know, we can see if things are going south, if we need to like, you know, intervene and have a discussion midpoint throughout the year, rather than just seeing it after the fact and just say, yeah, sorry, you owe this much tax. So... (laughs) Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I think just being involved, being having more touch points throughout the year has been really helpful. And, it, you know, we didn't start out that way. Um, especially when it was just me. Yeah. Well, and I I was going to say for us, a a big mindset change Corey and I have had to go through is because, you know, we've had clients and especially Corey, I mean, Corey's been doing this forever. He has clients he's worked with for seven to 10 years. I've had clients that I've started like from when I started within my first year, five years ago that I've been working with. And so it's easy for a service-based business for the identity to, to start to feel like it revolves around you. But the big realization Corey and I had, especially going through, our, again, creating our SOP document, some of our clients might have thought that they're paying to get Corey and I involved in their business, but really they're paying for our processes and they're paying for our our expertise mm-hmm. in their business. So what I mean by that is like what makes Corey and I different than other bookkeepers is our knowledge of this industry, which we can pass that information on to other people. We can educate our clients around that. It doesn't have to just come from us because it's not like Corey and I are like these master geniuses. Uh, What we're teaching is very, I think, relatable. Overall, the concepts are simple. It was just in the beginning, we were just the ones delivering those those messages and, and delivering those teachings. And so that's why, again, I think as service providers, you have to examine like, what is it about your service that differentiates um, you from your competition? How do you hone that service and that offer so that other people can deliver the same results that you would deliver if you were managing that client? And that's the piece that we're learning more about. Now, that being said, I'm by far not the best bookkeeper in our business. Like I said, I didn't have a bookkeeping background before this. I know it. I can teach it to our team. Every one of my team is now a better bookkeeper than me mm-hmm. by far. They all know how to do this way better. They're way faster than me. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Corey, that being his expertise, he's still overseeing that. He does no bookkeeping. We were able to, again, have this document and have processes that allowed us to pull ourselves out of that a couple of years ago. But now for me on the education side, being kind of the main advisor and main coach for a lot of our clients, we're adding other pieces next year that's going to allow us to support our clients at scale in a way that's going to be even better, I think, than some of the ways we have been doing it in the past. So those are the things that you just kind of sometimes, 
I don't know other any way to say it other than getting over yourself and thinking yeah. that the reason the business is successful is because you're special or you know like and it's not it's right. it's just what can you, you figured deliver? out some good ways to get work done teach other people how to get that work done the same way you would want to do it it's just that's the unsexy part of running a service based business that I think scares people yeah. is having to document mm-hmm. track and analyze how it is you do the work that you do for your customers yeah how many clients are you guys working with Parker. So we have at this point about 90 active every month bookkeeping clients. So it's a little different than what Amy has going on because I do not want Amy's January through April. You know, all the accounts we work with is that's the bottleneck. We're doing the same type of work, you know, month over month. So that's Mm -hmm. the beauty of the bookkeeping side is it's repetitive, which isn't necessarily fun if you don't have the right Mm -hmm. mindset as an employee (laughs) to want to do that kind of work. Um, But at the same time, it's also very predictable for us as business owners. And it's very clear what we need to deliver when we need to deliver it. And uh, I think at the end of the day, everything we do is revolved around how do we provide an amazing experience Mm -hmm. for our customers. And as long as we're thinking about that and not thinking about how do we make more money or Mm -hmm. just just thinking about selfishly about our own business, it seems like every decision we've made to uplevel our business Mm -hmm. has worked out very well because it's always about our customer because without our customers, we don't have a business. So yeah, you both, I feel like have been in a unique situation where you are one of a few people doing what you do, serving the kind of clients you do. Not saying there's not a million CPAs, there are, but like working with this type of clientele is different. For someone who's working in a service that maybe is a little more prevalent, how would you suggest you kind of translate some of the models you've used to get new clients? Because I feel like both of you could literally explode overnight if you allowed yourself to do so. And you've had to throttle your growth because of what's like, you only have so much time in the day, right? Capability. You can only train so many people at once, but other people are like, I don't know how to get a new client tomorrow. So any suggestions for how you can kind of get that hype going around what it is that you do? Amy, you have any advice? Yeah, I think um, for me starting out from like an accounting perspective, I need to just show people that I wasn't scary, that I could talk to them, that I could relate to them on their level. So I did things like podcast interviews. I wrote guest blog posts. Uh, I went to local meetups and just made friends with other business owners. Um, partly because I, you know, for selfish reasons, it's great to have in-person business friends that you can just chat about things, but also it's great to be top of mind for people when they do get to tax season or they are ready to start outsourcing their bookkeeping. And they're like, Hey, I met this girl. She was, you know, not scary. And she has this business. (laughs) You should check it out. And I think, especially like I'm super introvert. So all that stuff goes completely opposite of my natural tendencies. But anytime that I have done that and I've pushed myself to do that sort of thing, it has paid off so much. So that's been the biggest thing for me was just doing that from the beginning. And, you know, now I do get a lot of requests for doing similar type things. And I just have to make sure I'm using the best use of my time and 
Um, but still getting out there because, you know, if it was left up to me, I'd just be like, no, I'm going to, no, I'm here. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think that that is something we bring up with a lot of our, our audience who does provide a service, who is introverted, which is like most of our people listening. Mm -hmm. I was the same way when I had my client-based business of like super, just wanting to stay home. You guys just find me. We'll figure it out from here. But I think like the thing to remember that is if you go out of your comfort zone, even if you're just doing it in the beginning and then you serve up an excellent service, Mm -hmm. then those referrals come in like hotcakes. And I think that that, like the business that you've built serving 500 plus people every year goes to show that like you don't have to be that type of person every single month. You just have to set up a good foundation. Yeah, exactly. And the referrals are key for sure because you know, after tax season gets over and we're done with things, you know, we kind of remind people like, Hey, this would would be great for you to, you know, go on Google, leave us a review or, you know, do something like that because it's not necessarily always on the top of people's mind to do. So, um, we do try to remind people because it, it just helps kind of bring in that business for sure. For sure. Well, I think what you said, Emily is exactly like what I would say have a really good service. Um, This sounds ridiculous, but like the disadvantage, or I guess the advantage you have as a business owner right now is you can provide a better service than most service providers out there. Because the reality is our clients that are hiring any sort of contractor are almost always complaining about things not being done on time, communication being poor, people who are just Mm -hmm. taking for granted their customers. Yeah. And that's the reason why I think our I said business, all three of those things. <laughs> yeah. Like it blows my mind that there's people in business delivering mm-hmm. their service the way that they deliver it and people will still pay them for that. And so, you know, like Amy was saying, she's out speaking and she's, you know, there is that act of promotion you you want to be doing and being open to talking with other people. But if you're literally starting with just like your first, you know, one or two clients, like Corey's a little more introverted than I am for sure. But he just like him and his wife, when they started the business, they bent over backwards for the clients and they did way more than we ever did for our clients. Now we've changed obviously what we do, but when you're starting out, do what you need to do to make your client happy. They'll then want to share your service with the other people they know. And then it just kind of goes from there. That's the benefit of a service-based business where you don't have to all of a sudden jump into Facebook ads to try to scale your course because all of a sudden it's like, well, if I sell seven versions of my course, it's X amount of dollars, but that's mm-hmm. not going to allow me to quit my job. Mm-hmm. What's going to allow you to quit your job as a service provider is just one client at a time, getting them on, providing a consistent revenue stream by bringing these clients on, especially if you have a service like Amy and I have where you can serve them on a monthly basis and keep it going. You don't have to have a $200,000 launch one month for have a business. Again, we're like, each client that comes on with us is anywhere to $400 to $1,200 a month for us. Like, so each client that comes on is like, can be roughly, you know, five to $12,000 a year or probably right. somewhere around well, and there. You're so not it's like- selling $10,000 packages a month. Like this doesn't have to be a high-end service for it to be a super big scalable service base business. Exactly. And so for us, predictability is is a big part of why we like our service-based business. I don't know if I were going to jump into launching courses and doing stuff like that. I don't know if I would dig that as much because I feel like we have something that's stable, something that's easy to build on. And again, there's pluses and minuses to both business models. But at the end of the day, 
your clients want to refer you, you just have to give them a reason yeah. to do it. And as you get more clients and you do have to rethink how you're serving your clients, you can hone and productize mm -hmm. your service more and more. But when you're getting mm -hmm. started, just do a killer job and yes. a lot of that will snowball from itself. Yes. But you have to give a crap about what you're doing and you have to be self-aware enough to be like, am I really showing up for my mm -hmm. clients in the way that I think I am? Mm -hmm. Or you're going to miss so many opportunities to grow if, sure. if you don't have that self-awareness. Yep. And I think it is right outside of like for every single service-based business owner listening right now who has had that, you know, thought of pivoting and the thought of burning it all down, which is what we've talked about before. And y'all yep. know I was there. So I empathize, but truly I really like, it's one of those like business lessons for myself. If I could go back, I would sit and just like ask myself some more questions before diving into a completely different business model. Truly, have you like tapped out of all of the resources that are sitting right in front of you? Have you served your people hard enough? Because I think we we get sparkly squirrel syndrome by those flashy six-figure launches. And those sound fun and they sound sexy and they sound like something we want to put like a notch on our belt. And I'm not going to lie, like it does feel fun, but really truly ask yourself, like what type of business are you wanting to consistently run day in and day out? Mm -hmm. And if there's opportunities sitting right in front of you, like pay yeah. attention to what these two have done. Can I add one more thing then yeah. too? So, and I think ultimately you guys are proof that if you need to pivot down the road and there's an opportunity to pivot, great. Right. But I don't think there's a better way to oh, learn totally. how a business works than with a service-based business because- 10,000%. You can really learn, especially if you don't have a business background, you've never really gotten into this. I think sometimes people just jump in and oversimplify maybe what, mm -hmm. I'll get some software and then I'll do my thing and I'm a business and it's fine. <laughs> and it's like- you know, there's a certain amount of sophistication that comes along with selling any sort of product, digital products or physical products. Uh, but a service-based business, I think, is just such a core fundamental business model that gives you the room and space to learn and yes. adapt and grow and at be a pace that might go better. Like <laughs> Uh -huh. You can yes. make money and while right. learning how to be in business. Right. Like There is no better scenario for you. <laughs> And if you have a business model where it's like, you know what, I can serve my clients better by turning this into a group coaching program, Great. turning it into a course, then awesome. Yeah. But I do think, I mean, I think most new business owners would benefit right. so much from starting with a service-based well, model. Well, I have one yep. more question for the both of you and then we'll wrap it up. I want to know because my first reaction when hiring people in my business was to have them take things off of my plate that were quote unquote, like the easy things, like the things that take a lot of time. And I'm curious when you decided to hire people, did you hire people to do the core work of your business or did you hire people to do, I hate to say the easier admin type of work, but, but truly I want to know because I feel like maybe we should have done it the other way around. And so I'm just curious, Amy, who, who did you feel like you hired into your business? So first I hired uh, my mom as my bookkeeper, not only just my bookkeeper, but like a bookkeeper to, you know, help with my clients because she had a bookkeeping background. She was like the first person I was like, who can I let in that I trust with yeah. all of my heart and soul to like, you know, treat our clients with the same amount of love that I would. So she was my first hire. So she technically 
took the, you know, core business part for those clients. And then uh, we hired a couple contractors to do the actual tax work. But then my husband came in before we hired the actual employees. He started working with me a couple years ago and he took some of those like admin things off. So he does the onboarding stuff. He helps with my emails and a lot of that stuff. So he was kind of in the middle and then got me like a lot more streamlined. I had like paper everywhere in my office. He was like, no, this is, this can't be a thing. You are an online business. You should not have so much. What are you have paper for? (laughs) No paper free things to him. But um, so he, he was kind of in the middle and has been awesome. And then we hired the CPAs last year to do the taxes and bookkeeping. So um, it's definitely been a mix, but it really did start out with like the actual core services and finding people to take those off my plate so that I could focus on some more, you know, I guess you could call it like CEO level type things, like thinking beyond just yeah. someone's reconciliation for the month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say we're probably a mixed bag like Amy too, because again, with the nature of a service-based business, we hired the people that would help us serve more clients right off the bat and not yeah. serve Corey and I per se. Mm. Now indirectly it does because you know after I learned how to do the bookkeeping and started doing more account managing when I came into the business, I was just like, I don't want to do the bookkeeping anymore. Like I just, <laughs> it's not my strength. I want to talk to clients more. So again, when we hired a bookkeeper for me, that felt like a game changer. So it felt like yeah. it was for me, but really we were serving our clients by putting someone doing the bookkeeping that's going to sure. do a better job than I would, yeah. uh, or at least do it faster and have a vested interest in wanting to get better and better at the bookkeeping side of things. But now that we've um, kind of scaled up on the bookkeepers and training our account managers, all stuff revolved around the clients. Just this year, we hired our first non-bookkeeping person on the team. His name's Benji. He's been a lifesaver. And I don't know if we did this in the right order or not, but Corey and I were willing to still answer our emails, deal with our calendars, do some of this other stuff ourselves. And to some degree, I still am fine doing some of that, but we've used software to help alleviate a lot of this stuff for us anyways. But then Benji's just been such a huge help in helping us internally operate the business so we can get more done. Because again, we're trying to kind of play catch up, I feel like in a lot of ways for all the years where we didn't think we were going to grow the bookkeeping business. Mm. And now we're like, oh shoot, we are going to do this. We need to put more pieces into place to better prepare us for an influx of growth. Yeah. And so he's just been a, a lifesaver, but it's like, he's literally was our second to last hire before we just hired our new person a week ago, who's another bookkeeper. So it's like, we literally waited until five years after I got involved in the business to hire someone that was going to support really more what Corey and I are trying to do in terms of operating the business. But I think this is just proof how lazy I am. Gosh, guys. Oh yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think there's a lot of business coaches out there that go, oh, you need to hire out everything right away. And there are certain things I do with, especially with, with education businesses where, yeah, like you probably shouldn't be doing your own customer service. But mm-hmm. our clients that grew really fast and profitably, we're still doing the majority of their copywriting. We're still doing some of their technology. So that way they had the huge influx of cash and they proved that their offer works and they proved that their systems right. work, that then they started to hire in the people that they need so they didn't lose all their hair two years into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And they could actually like more easily afford to bring in the most important people that they need to support the business. But again, that's more yeah. of a course based business, digital product based business with a service based business. The reality is you will do everything 
in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can trust your instincts as a business owner to know, like, what are the things that will, again, I think help you serve your clients better, then those are the places I, I would say, bring those people in to help sooner. Yeah. Someone doing our inbox helps me serve our students. There's no question about it. No question. The amount of emails we get, I just don't understand. It's a blessing and a curse at the same time, right? It's great. You have so many people Mm -hmm. that want to connect with you, but there is, um, when you have as big of an audience as the Boss Project has, you would probably go a little crazy if you were trying to keep up with everything that was coming at you. So, you know, you, you as business owners have to separate yourself from certain types of work to, just to keep your mm-hmm. sanity versus for sure. a- Amy and I just, our businesses, we have different things we're trying to work around than you guys would. So Right. When we were working directly one-on-one with clients, like the inbox was not that big of a deal. No. Like hearing it from was them, like, like we, were, we were more reaching out to them, mm-hmm. like, you know, giving, asking for revisions or feedback or whatever, like making sure they saw stuff um, instead of the other way around. So it's very interesting how that changes. Thank you guys so much for this. Um, I want to do a quick, like just lightning round, one or two suggestions from both of you of like, if someone is in a service-based business right now and they're listening to this and they're like, shit, I might want to actually stick around and scale this thing. Like what are the two things that you want someone to think about or take away from what we covered today or that you haven't mentioned? Amy, we'll start with you. Um, I mean, first I think just look at your profit. So, you know, does your business have enough extra profit left over that you can start outsourcing? And also ultimately you need to pay yourself first. So after you pay yourself, is there some extra and can you use that towards maybe something small? Like if you're a photographer and outsourcing editing, first of all, yes. So something small, it doesn't have to be something huge, like hiring an employee. So it's Mm -hmm. too that. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Parker. Yeah. I think if you can hone who it is you serve, maybe more than you already have. I think sometimes as business owners, we go, any business is good business and that's just not the reality. So again, Amy being an accountant and finance expert for creatives, like that's a very clear target market. And just like Evolve Finance, we are the bookkeeping firm for online businesses, online entrepreneurs. And so that is going to give you the opportunity to build a network within a niche where people will talk to each other, where people know each other, where you can build some sort of a reputation within a small community. So again, you use the photographer. If you're just a photographer for everyone and everything, you might be like hampering the speed at which your growth can occur. Versus if you're a photographer that specializes in child photography and you learn everything about how to get the most out of a child portrait session, then now you have a niche where people can talk about and you can differentiate yourself. So And refer. And get referrals for it. And I think that's just so underrated for new business owners that that alone can be your biggest marketing asset for the next uh, couple levels of growth for your business. For sure. Thank you guys so much. That was so helpful. For those of you listening, if you want to continue the conversation or if you have questions for Parker or Amy, please don't hesitate to reach out to us over at Boss Project on Instagram or both of you guys are on, well, I know Amy's on Instagram. Parker, maybe not so much. I'm getting better. I am. You're getting better. Yeah. (laughs) Amy, what's your Instagram? It's just Amy Northard CPA. Perfect. So DM Amy, if you have any questions specifically about the growth of her business, I know she'd be more than happy to chat with you. Parker, do you want to send them to your Facebook group? Yeah. Facebook group is is great. Uh, just type in Evolve Finance into Facebook or Instagram. You'll find us. It's pretty easy. Just type in Evolve Finance. Perfect. 
Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank Thank you. you. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.